BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. dive into today's show, I want to take care of two really quick housekeeping notes. If you are someone who is based in LA, looking for a job, and love social media, let me know because I'm currently on the hunt for a social media assistant. I would love it if it's someone who loves all the platforms, TikTok, Reels, Instagram, all the things. Loving fashion is obviously a major plus because we'll be creating a ton of content around fashion things and of course a lot of content around the show. So if that's you, slide into my DMs, let me know that you're interested, and we'll take it from there. The second thing is that yes, the holidays are right around the corner, whether we believe it or not. And I just put up my holiday gift guide on my Amazon shop. If you want to find my Amazon shop, it is in my link in bio, or you can just go to amazon.com backslash shop backslash live Perez with two V's and you'll find my shop there. There's everything in there you could ever want for anyone. Shoes, makeup, beauty, home goods, cozy things, all the things. I remember my mom got me a coffee machine a couple years ago for Christmas and it was the best gift I ever received. So There's one in there and tons of other things. There's gifts for everyone. I'm also going to keep updating it for a while, so keep checking back for more gifts. Now let's get into today's show. I love today's guest. She is someone that I have deeply admired for a really long time, especially as a fellow Angelino and a brand that I followed for probably five plus years. I got to sit down with Alyssa Wasco, the founder behind Donnie. In 2009, she actually started making scarves in her college dorm room to cope with the death of her father, Donald. The scarves ended up being shared with colleges around the country, uniting Alyssa with a community of people who also found solace in her creativity and would later become the community behind Donnie, so aptly named after her father. 13 years later, Donnie is on every fashion girl's favorite list, mine included, for elevated essentials. My favorite pair of chinos, a scrunchie for every day, or a waffle set that has become basically impossible for me to take off. The brand has landed her a spot on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, and it is now sold around the country with retailers like ShopBop and Neiman Marcus. In this episode, Alyssa and I go on many tangents as fellow entrepreneurs, where we talk about how crucial it is to be vulnerable as an entrepreneur. We also talk about the key to a slow burn versus overnight success and why she's betting on live shopping for the future. I hope you guys love this episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcasts and make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review. Speaking of reviews, as I've mentioned in podcasts before, if you want to ask a question and have me answer it live on the podcast, submit them in the reviews and I will answer them in the intro before an episode. Thanks for tuning in and have an incredible week ahead, everyone. Here's my friend, Alyssa Wasco. Alyssa, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like this is a very long time coming. 
I would have to agree with that, actually. Yeah. I feel like every time we see each other, there's more more to say. So I'm excited. Does that just mean we always gossip every time no, we see each other? No, I mean, or just like want to chat. We're at an event and we can't finish the conversation, you know. I know. Just- well, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, like from the Donnie Charm days. Oh, God, that's cringe. <laughs> and you know what? We all but I appreciate to- it. OG, OG. I said something to a friend the other day that I'm just going to keep saying to everyone this week because, or maybe on forever, but I have a lot of friends who will... You know, I think right now we're in such a creative industry and every person that I know is putting themselves out there in some way and putting themselves out on a limb, jumping in the deep end, doing whatever they can to like build their careers. And it's funny because I too, when I look back at my career, I'm like, oh, cringe. But like in five years from now, am I going to say the same thing about where I'm at now? Maybe. But like what Donnie Charm wasn't cringe to me because like I support you. I support you diving in the deep end. And I appreciate that. It is. I don't know. It's hard for me to look back at like a lot of things, but also like beautiful to look back on a lot of things. Right. Like we obviously none of us would be where we are without all the things. And I never look back and think about mistakes. I don't think anything is a mistake. But, you know, sometimes you look at things and I'm like, what was I thinking when I made that? I don't know. Maybe those kind of maybe that's actually like when you're putting something physically in the world, creative out into the world. Maybe it's more that, like when it's something right. tangible. I'm a big like throw pasta at the wall and see what sticks, girl. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like you have done that so bravely, and and it's been beneficial for you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of our whole business. You know, we never had a business plan. It's really been a series of either happy accidents, trial and error, listening to like our customer and our community, changing things, and you know, I think that has ended up getting us to the point we are definitely maybe at a different pace. Right. But, you know, it's everything, every single part of that, I think, was important in getting us to this point. So I can't yeah. get out of it. I think all the mistakes, all the like cringy moments yeah. you have to have. How are you going to know what works if you don't 100%. experience something that doesn't work? I, I also feel like, you know, our my business, it's like has kind of been like, I mean, it's been 13 years and it started in college and it's like kind of taken on all these different iterations based on like the stages I've been at in my life. So, you know, Donnie Charm, I was like a little baby and it was like sounded a little young, but like to my peers at that, t- like from where I'm sitting right now. Obviously, you know, it's different. I'm in a different stage now, but I think all the stages we had served their purpose at that time. I totally agree with that. I mean, there I feel like I experience that every day. Like some days I'm putting something out on the Internet and I'm like, oh, well, that didn't resonate. That tanked. But it's just it's a learning curve. And I feel like that's just been you have to like drop the ego when, when you run a business completely. You have to be willing to put yourself on the farthest limb and be like, okay, you know what? I have a loyal audience. They're on the ride with me. If I fuck up or if I look really stupid or I post a bad picture, like just chalk it up to another day at the office, okay? It's (laughs) funny you're saying that. We actually just went live on Donnie's Instagram yesterday for the first time. And the first thing I said when we opened, I was just like, please bear with us. We've never done this before. And normally I feel like I'd want to like be buttoned up and have a format and do this and that. And like we kind of just winged it. But the first thing I said was I was like, you guys are along on this journey with us and yep. maybe we'll never do a live again. Yep. But we're going to give this a try and let's see how it goes. But kind of just have to try. And also you have to kind of stick with things I'm noticing. It's like you can't just try once. It will not. That's not how it works. It's like yeah. taking vitamins for one day. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the vibe, guys. That's such a good point. Not the vibe. But I also just think to your point, like, when you have an entrepreneurial mind, the automatic instinct is to try and make things as buttoned up and together as you possibly can. Yeah. 
But I genuinely think the social media world and people that are existing on the internet right now, we're in an era where I think it's just the opposite spectrum. Like I think we, when Instagram started, you know, we were on one side of the pendulum that was like everything curated and beautiful and sexy and yeah. perfect. And now we're on the other side where totally. it's like people want to see you literally putting on your clothes and being like, does this outfit look nice? Yeah. Or people just want to see the authenticity of it all. And I think that's why videos, to your point, doing so well right now, because people just want that real Realness. touch point. A lot of people associate like success with strength and like resilience and stamina and like all of those things can be true. But I actually think like vulnerability and the ability to be vulnerable is actually probably the most important. Right. Because putting things out there, whether you're creating a podcast, you're creating an article of clothing, you're writing a piece, you're doing anything, anything that you are creatively putting out into the world is being judged. And that's a really hard thing to do. And you're being the most vulnerable you could ever possibly be. That is, I think, the greatest lesson I've learned in this business is, you know, and a lot of people ask a very common question is like, well, if you could do something differently, what would you do? And I really like to say nothing because, like I said earlier, no mistakes. No regrets. And I think there's a lot of voices. We have a showroom. We have a PR firm. We have this. Everyone kind of chiming in with feedback. And feedback is, of course, so important. But, you know, our showrooms would be like, Alyssa, everyone wants prints right now. And I was like, well, we're not really a prints brand. That's not really our thing. And they're like, well, we need the sales. So, like, you have to do prints. Mm. And I'd be like, okay. So I'd become, like, obsessed with prints. And I'd do this whole collection of prints. And then I would look at it and I would be like, I absolutely hate this. It would not sell. This is one specific collection. And this was like probably six or seven years ago. And I, we didn't sell one piece. And I completely scrapped it and redesigned it. And obviously, I kind of had to go through those things to realize and that I really do need to stay true to myself. So it's like, for example, like, yeah, so what if no one likes it? It's like we produce these gigantic collections and not everyone loves everything, but like some pieces are just like passion pieces for me. Right. I don't care if anyone buys them. Sometimes one person will buy it on our website. And like for me, that's all I need. Something I've learned as an entrepreneur that's so important is you cannot always be influenced by the outside influences. You'll lose the plot. You're going to lose the whole well whole said. thing. You have to stick to your gun sometimes. And you know what? Not everything's going to be a success. And back, that's back to our original point yeah, that it's okay. okay. Yeah. It's okay. I want to get back. Let's yeah. completely. <laughs> tangent. <laughs> I love a good tangent, though. That's why I'm here. You have such an interesting career story. And I'm such a huge fan of Donnie, as you know. But I love to talk a little bit about your beginnings and how you got into the fashion industry. I know that you first started at Chanel when you were in college in New York, which is crazy. Dream internship. Was it an internship? Or it, was, it started as an internship. Right. Yeah. How did you land that? Being annoying. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I relate to that. Yeah. So totally. <laughs> persistence. And I think persistence is something we don't see as much anymore. So I called every single day, every single day. So I really wanted to be in the visual merchandising image department. And I was connected with Stephen, who was my boss for six years. And he wanted absolutely nothing to do with me. And I called every day called every single day. I was a freshman in college. They were like, we don't even take interns until junior year. And I was like, I don't care. And I called him every single day, probably for three months. And then finally they, he was like, I'll connect you to HR probably because he was like, my phone won't stop ringing. And like, this is getting weird. Yeah. Like, what if they see yeah. you, someone's calling me? Yeah. And, and then I went that summer. I went to New York and it was 
crazy, amazing, all the things. And it ended up going really well. And, you know, when I went back to school, I ended up doing consulting work for them. And I would fly kind of back and forth for like events and not not super often. But then every summer after that, I went back and, you know, worked for them full time. And then when I graduated, I went and worked for them full time. So it was amazing. It was it's Chanel. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of what you think, but also not at all. My team, I was so lucky, were the best human beings ever, especially because like Donnie overlapped with that period. And these people were kind of on that journey, like actually with me. And they were so supportive. They were like, oh, you have a trunk show at Barney's, which was around the corner from our office. I'm like, go, you can go. We'll, we'll stop wow. by on our lunch break. And I was just like, that's super cool that you guys are all like, they would make me bring at that time, we were only scarves. I would bring like suitcases of scarves into work because everyone wanted to buy them. And it was a really special thing. And of course, learning, you know, from a, you know, heritage brand like that was incredible and kind of more of the corporate luxury side of of our industry, but also just learning from these people and having their support outside of that was something I will cherish forever. I think that there is some sort of tie between your persistence and the loyalty that you experienced through your relationship. Because I had something similar where I'd gotten to New York on like a chance random encounter. I met this woman who was friends with this other woman who worked at Teen Vogue and needed an intern. I hadn't even started classes yet. Yeah. Like I was fresh off the boat wearing heels around New York City. Don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> and she, without even thinking, oh, am I allowed to do this? I went in for the interview and got the job. And when it literally was two days before my first day of work, she was like, hey, can I get this sheet signed by your, my advisor? And they're like, we're sorry. Like, you're a freshman. You're not allowed to intern. And I was like, I just got my dream internship. Like, I, my, like, perfect plan was, like, I'm going to get my dream internship as a senior at Teen Vogue. And then I'm going to keep that internship and have it as a job. And I'm going to graduate working at Teen Vogue. I'd gotten my dream internship the day I got to school. And I literally remember going to the dean's office multiple days going to her receptionist and being like, I need a petition. Like, I need a petition to be a freshman and work at this job. And she was like, no. I went back the next day and was like, give me a form. Let me talk to her, whatever. I ended up running into the dean in the hallway and was like, can I please have your personal email? Because I need to do something that is so pressing. And I emailed her being like, I am a freshman. I just got my dream internship. Like, do not take this away from me. I promise I will, like, maintain this GPA the whole time. I will also join, like, this club at NYU to show you how, like, loyal I am to, like, building community at NYU. Did the whole thing. Was able to do the internship. And that woman who hired me is still one of my dearest friends today and a mentor to me. And I just think that, like, there's something about that persistence and drive and hunger that, like, bonds you to your team almost in a way. Like, you really genuinely want to be there. And you're all kind of going through the mud together in a way. A hundred percent. And I don't know, passion, integrity, all of these things you don't really see as much anymore. And I think also just like you didn't give up. I didn't give up. And it's really easy when it's like you get the first no or like there are rules to just and like, to be okay, like, OK, yeah, yeah. that's OK. You and know, I, that's not how it goes. But I think that's also a huge thing. If you are an intern right now to always think about how not how can you bend the rules, but like Never take no for an answer. Never. Like there were times where I was like a showroom assistant or like a stylist assistant and they'd be like, sorry, we can't give you the sample. And I'd be like, no, I'm coming back tomorrow. And like, I bet you're going to have the sample and I'm going to pull it and then I'm going to give it back to you same night. Like always find a way. Always. And I think even as like a, an employer or a boss, you know, there are sometimes people have come to me and I've said no. 
and if they had conviction and really believed in what it was and and swayed me I was like hell yeah great idea like thank you for not giving up like thank you for coming back to me and showing me that this should have been a yes so I think it's just always like don't you never have to stay in the lines like obviously be respectful which is a whole which is a whole separate topic color outside the lines yeah exactly make it happen exactly make it happen I'm sure a lot of people listening right now are obviously so intrigued by the fact that you worked at Chanel for that long. What were some things that you learned about the fashion industry at large while working for like the the creme de la creme? It was amazing. I think my biggest takeaways were things that I would probably not want to replicate. But that, to your point, is any corporation, you know, but I learned anything you could possibly want to learn. And I think the biggest shock to me and this is kind of another tangent on our conversations about just hiring and you know talent and things like that is I remember so visual merchandising is very physical it's not first of all most sectors of fashion is very physical if you're a stylist you're schlepping if you're in visual merchandising you're schlepping there's a lot of schlepping yeah it's a big schlep industry it's a big schlep so you know I was walking down fifth avenue carrying a mannequin and like, you know, struggling and all of these things. And in the moment, I, you know, I wanted to cry. But like, those are the things that I felt really gave me character. Formative. And, I mean, you know, now it's easy to say looking back, like, I'm really glad I carried that, struggled and carried that mannequin down Fifth Avenue. But, you know, my boss would ask me to do things and I would say yes, which like, of course you say yes. And I remember there were moments where they were like, wow, you really say yes to everything. I was like, what, what's the alternative? Right do people say no to you? Literally, I like didn't understand. And obviously things are like a little bit different now, boundaries, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I think being in luxury fashion in that time kind of before this change has happened really benefited me. I think I agree with that because I would say the same thing about my Teen Vogue internship. I know that Condé Nast internships are no longer because of some cross boundaries, which I totally acknowledge and think was wrong. And I'm for glad sure. for those. I'm, I'm grateful for those women for stepping up and kind of stopping that 100%. pattern. But I will say that, like, there were days where I was in the office till 11 o'clock and my boss would make me schlep up and down around New York City. And I didn't know what I was doing. But you know what it did do for me? It taught a 18 year old girl fresh off the boat in New York City who had only lived there for a few days how to use the subway and how to get all over New York City. And I made connections with different publicists and people. And by the time I was a sophomore, I was thriving in New York, only a year into living there because I had so many new industry friends. I had an entire life outside of school. I was, quote unquote, in the industry and I had a great job that I loved. Yeah. So I agree with you. And, and I also think that there are a lot of people right now who want to go to college, immediately start their own thing and thrive. And I cannot stress enough the importance of getting a real job in a corporate structure. Being in corporate structures taught me everything I know now to run my own businesses. I could not do this Vital. if I just started from scratch. Couldn't Vital. do it. And I know that it's a pain point for a lot of people. People don't want to be cut in a bo- stuck in a box and in their nine to five. But oh my God, learning processes, managerial skills, working with other people, collaborating. Operations, Vital. logistics, right. communication. Vital. It's so important. I actually just, I spoke on a panel for GW for their like business fraternity and the question that everyone asked was, you know, what I think is the most important thing for people to be doing in college. And I was like, go to your classes, enjoy, be present, all yep. of those things. Get jobs. Get jobs. Please get jobs. Because, you know, especially for people that want to work in fashion, 
I thought I wanted to do all of these things in fashion that I absolutely did not want to do. And you really don't know until you experience it. And absolutely yeah, resumes and wh- where you went or sorry, what your major was. It's not really important. It really is what you've done, whether it's you worked at a boutique, you interned or you volunteered to dress for success, you whatever, whatever it is, you know, it's important for you to be able to figure out what you actually want to do. And it's it's just I don't know. I think especially in fashion, people are really looking for what you've done. If you're out of college and you, you know, graduated with a 4.0 and yes, you studied fashion and you studied business, and but you had zero internships and zero jobs. Like for me, that's yeah. I'm not I'm passing you over. You need a real life experience. Real life. We'll be right back after the break. It's November, which means that it is officially holiday season. And that means that all the fun functions are happening soon. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And if there's anything I love wearing consistently to all three of those events, it's my pajamas. This year, I've had my eye on a few new companies. And one of them that I absolutely love is Printfresh. It's a woman-owned luxury sleepwear and lifestyle brand made for fashion lovers just like all of us. They recently launched their Printfresh Holiday Shop, a curated collection of cozy must-have gifts for making the spirits bright. Also, P.S., if you're looking for stocking stuffers ahead of time, like me, because we all know that gift giving is a competition, I cannot recommend looking into them enough. They are such a good gift, and they're something for everybody. Created by textile designer and fashion entrepreneur Amy Velotion, their festive-inspired prints are brought to life on organic cotton loungewear and statement-making home decor that is full of personality. Whether you're shopping for your family, friends, or partner, give the gift of comfort this season and shop early for the perfect printed present. With sizes extra small to 6X, free exchanges, and all new accessories, holiday shopping has never been made easier. Warm wishes and even cozier sleepwear are ahead. The perfect fun and festive style is a click away, so be sure to explore the Print Fresh Holiday Shop today. It's perfect for people who love pattern and are seekers of the whimsical. Go to printfresh.com backslash friend or use code friend for 15% off your first order. See what's in store for the season and snag your gift early. Now let's get back to the show. You had Donnie while you were at Chanel. I did. How did Donnie come to life? So Donnie started my sophomore year. It was, like I said a little bit earlier, accidental. My dad had unfortunately passed away within the first week of sophomore year. Wow, that's tough. I'm very sorry. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunately life, but I was kind of the person, you know, I went home and I kind of had this choice. Do I kind of take the semester off and stay home and be with my family or do I go back? And, you know, my biggest thing that, you know, I try to be mindful of all the time is, you know, operating and making decisions and moving forward in a way that my dad would be proud of me. And, you know, he had been been in the hospital the whole summer. So that was my first summer at Chanel. So I was also faced with a decision, you know, do I leave him or do I go to this internship that I fought so hard to get? And I remember having the conversation with him and he literally looked at me and was like, are you effing kidding me? You are absolutely 100% going. Yeah. Do not. I will be mad at you if you stay here. And that was kind of like, OK, so like I'm just going to do Obviously, it had to feel good to me, but ultimately, like, it was what he would want. And, you know, I went back to school and I'm just the kind of person that wanted to do a ton of stuff and channel my energy. And I'm a very creative person. And, you know, creativity and art has always been an outlet for me. And I think 
this was also a time when scarves were really having a moment. And the Gossip Girl era. Yes, the Gossip Girl era. And I wore them literally every single day. And I made this scarf and I put a little angel wing charm on it. And it ended up just being something that felt really good and comforting to me. And then my friends wanted it. And then people in another sorority wanted it. And then a friend whose mom owns a store wanted a hundred of them. And it just really snowballed. And, you know, my dad's name is Donald. Everyone called him Donnie. And at that time, we were called Donnie Charm. And it was because every scarf had a good luck or protective charm on it. And it just kind of snowballed from there. It's actually funny because I remember after like maybe a couple of months of this and I was making them, making them, making them, I was with a friend and I was like, you know, I think this maybe ha- it could be something. I was yeah. like, I want to name it. And she was like, okay. And I was like, it's really helped me get through this time. I wanted to have something to do with my dad. And I was like, I kind of want to name it Donnie, but my future, I know that I want to name my future child Donnie. And she looked at me and she was like, what are the chances is that becomes something that you wouldn't be able to do that. And I was like, yeah, who do I think I, I was literally like, who do I think I am? Like, this is not, this is nothing. Obviously now, after having a child, I could not name my child Donnie. Now you have a Donnie and a Denny. Yes, exactly. Which are both so cute. Thank you. So yeah, that's kind of how it started. And it's been, I can't believe it, 13 years. Yeah. I mean, I always say to me, the most impactful companies come from a need. They're not something that you're just sitting there trying to figure out, what should I do? Yeah. It's the things that, really, you can just feel that company's soul. I also think it's really challenging to take such a tough moment and turn it into something that you end up championing. And a lot of people listening, I'm sure I've gone through really tough moments or maybe are in one right now. Is there a piece of advice that you have? Especially, you know, you were saying that you are a creative, you like to kind of channel into art. Not everyone's like that. Is there a piece of advice that you have for being able to channel hardship into a really triumphant moment? I think being in it is the truth. And I think that was almost a mistake that I made because earlier on, you know, I was so, okay, I'm going to add five credits. Okay, I'm going to add, you know, this job. Okay, I'm going to add this business endeavor, I guess. And it was, I drowned myself so that I didn't have to feel in a sense. So I think my biggest advice is in it and whatever that quote is that the only way out is through I think is so true and I think I've had to do some work and like work backwards a little bit because I don't think that I mean I was also 19 it was kind of like survival at that time right but yeah I don't think I like necessarily properly grieved or how I would grieve if it happened now knowing what I know but yeah I think you kind of have to feel it you got to go through it and it sucks and it's painful and it comes in waves and you know, all of that stuff. But I would just not avoiding it, I think is probably my best advice. And as far as like channeling it into something, whatever it is that you love, you know, for me, it was creative, you know, for others, it could be yoga or like something more physical. I think it's just you, you have to do something that makes you feel good, whatever that is, maybe it's cooking, you know, it could be all different things. But I think just picking and, and making sure you are doing something that really genuinely, truly makes you feel good. Not something that sounds good, not something that makes sense, something that actually gives you juice, I think, helps. When my grandpa passed, my mom became obsessed with fitness. And when I was younger, it was not really something that was, I don't remember it being a massive part of her orbit, but she, it was her safe space. And it was something that she just dove headfirst into. And just that change in her life She has a completely different life now. She lives in Malibu. She goes to the gym every single day. 
She surfs every day. She paddleboards. She's become such an athlete in her yeah. 60s. And it is. What a babe. Un- oh, she's a babe. Yeah. She's, I can't <laughs> she has even. to be. She is a babe. Her on a surfboard is like killer. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to go <laughs> hide now. But, you know, it's amazing to see how passion like that can really change your trajectory. And it did for you, too. A hundred percent. I always find it so interesting to talk to founders who launched with single SKUs. Like that is just so fascinating to me. But I also think that there's like something to it because so many of the brands that I love also launched with like a single thing that they were able to market to everybody. They became really well known for that. And then they expanded into something amazing. I think off the top of my head, I think of Cult Gaia with like the Gaia arc, which was huge for two years. Everyone had one. It was like the biggest thing in LA. Yeah. And then one day she came out the floodgates with a beautiful collection. And I think of so many other designers that have done something really similar or even other products. And I think there's something to it. I think there's something with getting your customer acclimated to who you are, being building that loyalty of this one solid product that everybody loves, and then being able to expand a product line versus like, hey, I'm going to make like a bunch of shirts, a bunch of pants, a jacket, whatever. And here's my here's everything you can buy from me. And right. then like, let's throw pasta at the wall yet again and yep. see what sticks. Yep. Can I hear a little bit about that experience for you of starting there and now obviously having a full on product line? I'm wearing the cutest jacket of all time. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to hear about that. Yeah. So I think it's kind of funny, like you said, like one skew. I mean, we were scarves for the first seven years of our business. We built a business on an unessential product category. Like you only need a scarf if you're living in very specific places. And even still, like you can survive without one. So it was I laugh. I don't even understand looking back. Like, how did we build a business, a profitable business off of scarves? Like, it's funny. It's funny to me. But, you know, it, first it was one style scarf. Then, I mean, at that point, probably seven years in, we had made every possible shape, size, fabric of scarf that was physically possible. And as much as I want to say, like, that was intentional to, like, get everyone, like, really on board with that. There was not a lot of strategy that has gone into this business. We're making these scarves and we were making these like cotton striped Pareo style scarves. And we were tying them as skirts and as dresses and tube tops and one shoulder tops. And it was getting really fun. And, you know, our customer was like, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? It takes a very patient and savvy customer to want to be able to execute knotting and tying a big piece of fabric. And also be engaged in the education of it. I think yeah. a lot of people just want to passively shop. A hundred percent. And I guess this was probably in like 2015, 2016. And we would make these videos of like, here's one scarf. Here are 20 different ways that you can tie it. And we would do these videos on a model. And they were really fun. But again, you have to be really willing. So it kind of got to the point where when, we were, when I was designing the next collection, I was like, let me just design one top that kind of looks like a scarf, kind of the end result is what we've been trying to show people to do, but it's really easy and anyone can do it. It ended up being a little cropped. And I was like, I don't think everyone wants their stomach hanging out. And I kind of just personally was like, okay, I'm going to go look around and see what kind of high-waisted, breezy pants there are. I looked everywhere, like Zara, The Row, everything in between. And I was like, it's just, I'm not seeing the exact thing that I want to go with this top. And literally three weeks later, we had a 27-piece ready-to-wear collection. Wow. It was out of nowhere. Also, I am not a technically trained designer. I'm more of a conceptual designer. I know what I like. I know how to explain. I know how to get it from my head to reality. But, you know, I don't 
I didn't know that. We just went from a accessory that's not sized to ready to So that took a long time to also kind of calibrate. But to your point, you know, I do think we built in seven years. I look back and I'm like, wow, we had so many customers and this community that bought these things. And I think that they were more connected to the story and the brand than they were to the product, ultimately. And for example, I would get emails that I probably still have saved and probably don't read anymore because they made me cry of people who I bought. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I bought this scarf. My mom's going through chemo. She wears it when she's in chemo every single day. And it brings both of us this layer of safety and comfort that like I we didn't know existed. Things like that. But like the volume of them was crazy. And that's kind of what made me realize that what we were doing was not simply making a scarf for you to wear. And yes, they were chic. And yes, they elevated your outfit. And yes, all of these things. But it was so much deeper than that. Now, you know, 13 years later, people know our brand and have no idea where it came from, no idea the backstory. And I think for a long time, that was really what what pushed things along. But I do think that's kind of why maybe we were able to, to do that shift. And some brands do it and some brands don't and it's hard sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and it's scary and it is throwing pasta at the wall well I think I'm going to chalk it up to this I haven't started a business like this but I feel like I hear these stories all the time it's the difference between a slow burn and overnight success I'm more of an advocate for the slow burn because of the fact that I think what you're doing is truly impacting your community and making a difference in their lives and growing from there overnight success amazing congratulations a little bit harder to upkeep but it kind of feels like a testament to what you're saying about strategy. I feel like people who become overnight successes have the strategy, they have a marketing plan, they have a reason to go viral, they have something they know is going to go viral, and we can say that that is that. Yeah. But I think for you, not a lack of strategy, because obviously you have a plan and you know what you're doing, but going with your gut and doing what feels good to you and what you feel will resonate with other people and actually make an impact, I think that's where you're going to have more longevity with a brand, it might be a slower burn, which I know people aren't used to today. But what do you, how do you feel about the slow burn? I mean, that's a weird question. No, it's not. (laughs) Like, how is it, how does it feel to just have something that you feel now is really coming to fruition after 13 years? I feel really good about it. A lot of other people don't understand. Well, I think a lot of other people, I I just think in today's world, we're so used to instant success. I don't think people really understand the idea of a slow burn. People can't fathom that I'm okay with not taking over the world in the next five years. Like when they say, what are your plans for running in the next five years? And me not saying like, I want to raise and I want to do this. And I want to have 10 more product categories and I want to open retail stores. This is a really awesome point that you're making right now because I feel that we are, this is something that I will like openly say on the podcast, we have to stop doing. The amount of people that come up to me and are like, so like, when are you going to have a TV show? And when are you going to be doing this and interviewing this person? And like, what's your plan for the next couple of years? Like, are you going to like sell a show or be a host on like E! News? And I'm like, what if I don't want any of those things? Like, what if I am really happy doing? And by the way, obviously, I want a lot of those things. Of course. I just think that you're 100% right that I think in today's world, if someone starts something, if they are an entrepreneur, the expectation is that they want to take over the world. And what if I don't? Exactly. I mean, people have a really hard time understanding that. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you get asked this. What what are your plans? What does Donnie look like in five years? What does Donnie look like in 10 years? No world do I know what that looks like at all. And like, that's okay. And for me, knowing that 
you know, our business sustains our employees and the production industry in downtown LA and all the people that that touches and our fabric mills and whatever. Like, I'm so happy with that. And I can go to sleep at night knowing that I have built something that provides that security to these people. And I hope that it it grows and evolves, but I don't know what that looks like. I'm like, that's okay. I'm like, maybe I don't want to branch into home or swim or denim. Maybe I do, but it's okay if I don't. Would love to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Especially also, I was going to say, in LA where fashion is okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a totally different market and landscape. Yeah. I'm sure that's interesting for you having worked at like Chanel in New York City at the epicenter yeah. of it yeah. and then be producing in LA. But I think it's great. There are so many amazing brands coming out of LA right now. It's a really exciting time. It is a really exciting time. And they're time. not just like random, like trashy no. downtown brands. Like we have some like strong LA brands. Not that I'm saying like we just had like an LA Fashion Week moment and I was like, we don't need to be doing that, guys. But like, I don't think so. I don't think so. But like, <laughs> it's great to see yeah. some brands with a little bit of gravitas. There are great brands there. I mean, listen, the, the garment industry in LA at a time was it. Yeah. It was it. It was not for a very long time. I mean, we've been producing downtown LA for 10 years. It was not fun. It was scary. It was a lot it's of- It's weird. It's scary down there. It, it was a lot of things. The change I have seen in 10 years is night and day. Good to know for and people listening really, who yeah. maybe want to start a brand yeah. new Yeah. And it's really special to see. I mean, we've been working with one factory for that entire time. And we kind of were both in a place where we needed each other. And we believed in them and they believed in us and kind of took a leap together. And it got us both really far. And I don't know, it's, I don't know. I have like a very soft spot for LA. I mean, I we were producing here, like the people that work in these factories feel like our family and I care about them. And that's really special to me also in seeing that. But yeah, LA production, I mean, knitting mills here, dye houses here. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot going on down there. And just being able to contribute to that even in a small way, I think is a huge part of our brand. I love that. Yeah. So you just did something yesterday. You guys listening to this are a little bit far ahead in the future. But you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you had done an Instagram live kind of shopping moment. Yep. And that was your first time ever doing it. And I'm so glad that we're talking after you've done it because I've been wanting to actually do an episode about Instagram live shopping, just the live shopping era that I think we're about to be in. I think that live shopping is so cool. There's a reason where, why QVC was and still is so absolutely massive. And I've actually wondered when Instagram and TikTok were really going to kind of start diving into that. I know there's an app called Pop Shop Live, I think it's called, and they are only live shopping. So okay. they'll partner with like a Reformation, they'll get a host and the host will like go to the Reformation store and try a bunch of things on and they'll sell directly on the site. And I just think it's an amazing way to like utilize your obviously already loyal customers. I learned that you guys, 97% of your web traffic is from your Instagram. So you obviously are utilizing that audience in such an amazing way. How did it go yesterday? So I have so much to say about this. Yeah, because I just, I, I think a lot of people do, but I just don't think it's a trend enough yet it's that people not. are diving in. And but that's it why should it's be. almost discouraging. Right. But, it should be. You know, I will also say, and maybe this is, a separate tangent that I won't go on. But, you know, yes, 97% of our traffic has come from Instagram. I would say in the past month, two months, that's not the case. I mean, engagement in Instagram is a really interesting place right now. 
as far as visibility for brands and for people. That was people. a distressed sigh. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I don't know if people that don't generate business on Instagram understand how big of a deal this is. It's detrimental. Yes. So, you know, yes, we have a really loyal community. Unfortunately, 80% of that community is not seeing anything that we're doing. And that's really sad. It's sad. It's Same, y'all. has a really big impact on our business. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, okay, so we're going to put more effort and more eggs in our And overnight, by the way, let me just say, like yeah. this, we all literally woke up one day and our audience like, went where, into thin air. Where are, where are they? <laughs> and it's so funny because like I'll meet someone new, we'll follow each other on Instagram and then we'll like reconnect maybe a few weeks later and they'll be like, I never see your stuff. And I'm like, but why? But why? The most disturbing thing happened to me about three weeks ago, which was Catherine, who runs all of our creative content branding. She posted something on our Instagram and it didn't even show up in my feed. And that to me was like, are you serious? That's really crazy because I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but for example, if you post something tomorrow, I bet you all see it because we just saw each other. Instagram does that to me a lot, where if I'm close to people, the proximity will show up on my Instagram, which I find creepy as hell. But I just noticed that if I'm in New York, I start showing up more on my old New York followers feeds. And that also, by the way, was a huge thing when I moved here. I think even more of my following dropped off because I wasn't proximate to where so much of my following was. It's crazy. Now it's like, let's try some other things. We actually partnered with Instagram and Instagram shop earlier this year when the live when they were beta testing the live shopping tried it a couple of times and listen like everything takes time for people to of course to get there so but I am a big believer in being a first mover on that I agree yeah I totally agree it just is you have to be like resilient and keep trying (laughs) because again you're putting yourself out there you're being vulnerable it's not necessarily hitting right but you have to keep trying me on TikTok right now with 14 views. Yeah. If you're listening right now, please go follow me on TikTok and like <laughs> my videos because I have 117 followers and it's getting really bleak for me over there. Yeah. And well, sometimes it just feels like you're like screaming into an abyss and it's well, like, I is am. anyone listening to me? But then, but then someone comes and you're like, they are listening. I'm like my one comment. Yeah. Thank you. But no, again, this is exactly what we talked about at the beginning, which is that I think it's so important that if you're in the social media creative industries right now, you have to support the people around you. I have a group of girlfriends. We're all creators. And we all comment on each other's every single post. And I know that that sounds so, so silly, but I swear to God, it gives me the biggest, it feels like a digital hug yes, all the time. Yes, I mean, listen, Instagram is a place where most people generate most of their business. Yeah. So it is, you know, it's everyone's kind of like, okay, where, what are we going to try now? Of course you have SMS. Of course you have email. Of course. I mean, I don't know that this is from a brand's perspective, but yeah, it's like, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Not anymore. And that's something that even like COVID times, as far as like sales distribution, you know, I think people learned like maybe all of your wholesalers canceled their orders, but at least you still had your e-com. Not everyone was in that position where they, you know, could have something to fall back on. And I think that's just like my rule of thumb is just never put all your eggs in one basket. Diversify the portfolio as my mom always Yes, I love that. In all aspects. And And especially I think now that feels like a really important takeaway to the moment that we're in with social media where it does feel like it's not really ruling in our favor. Like that's why I got on TikTok. I was like a little resistant to it in the beginning because it just didn't feel like me. But I then eventually got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to try something that doesn't feel like me. Yeah. Maybe I'll learn a little something yeah. about myself. 
I'm going to fall on my face a few times. And that's brave. And that's being vulnerable. And that is beautiful. I think everybody needs to do that right now. No matter what job you're in, put your eggs in a lot of different baskets because I think the dividends will pay off. I completely agree. <laughs> I just think it's an amazing avenue. I think I think I'm excited to see more brands lean into it. I think it would be so fun because I would engage so in so much potential. So much potential. People want to see you trying things on. They want to be in the moment. They want the QVC aspect of it. For sure. Totally something that I think brands should lean into. I I agree and also, I mean at least for us, I think taking time, especially when you have a lot of product to educate is so important. You know, our stuff runs big. I like oversized. That requires explanation. Did fit is something that people don't understand, and that's okay. So I need to educate people that if you get your true size, this is going to be oversized. If that's not your vibe, that is so, so, so okay. Size down one. But everything runs a little bit differently. And I don't, do you follow Amy from Tibby on Instagram? I don't. Highly recommend. Okay. She is the designer and CEO of Tibby, and she's just a creative and business genius. And she has just spent so much time doing these live videos, kind of breaking down outfits, breaking down style, breaking down how you pair things together. And I learned so much from watching these. And the majority of our questions that we get are sizing, fit, and styling. Like, that's it. And, you know, we get returns because something doesn't fit. So that's one thing that we can educate on. And we incentivize people to purchase when they see how we're styling them. So, you know, that was kind of what the catalyst for this live was. It's like, okay, normally we do a Q&A before we do a drop. We get a ton of questions. We answer all of them in stories. But why don't we do it when, you know, we're actually doing it? Let's and do it live. looking back, we're going to change a few things and we try again. But... I do think there's so much potential and I think sticking with it and bringing in other people, other creatives within our community to kind of do it with us. And totally. maybe it's like over a glass of wine and you're trying things on. I love and you're that, doing that Maybe you'll be our first one. I'd love it to. It would be really fun. That would be so fun for I the just holiday think, Yeah, there's something, there's something there. I totally agree. But you have to stick it out. I mean, there was a point yesterday, like to your point about supporting other people, half of the people asking questions were my best friends and my family. Oh, yeah. And that is <laughs> part of me is like, don't say that out loud. And other part of me is like, how amazing is that? No, my whenever I do AMAs, my best friends and my boyfriend are always the first people in there asking questions for the AMA. And it is like just the best feeling. You got to support best. your people. You have to. Support your people. There's no shame in it. I could not agree more. Yeah. But, you know, that is how yesterday went. And we're going to try again. I'm excited to see more. Yeah, when does the too. holiday collection drop? The holiday collection drops first week of December. Excited about that. Yeah, this will too. be out right before then. So oh, great. everyone gets to hear Perfect. from you before that comes out. Perfect. This was so awesome. I could literally talk for you. I know. To, to, now I'm like, I've over talked. Yeah. <laughs> I could literally talk to you for hours. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.